Let's go ahead and uh, begin our time together with a word of prayer, and then we'll hop right in. Let us pray. Dear Lord, gracious Heavenly Father, we thank you for this day and all the blessings that you pour out upon us. We thank you for giving us the creation to provide all that we need to support our body and life. Lord, we know because of our sin, we have corrupted this creation, so we also look forward to your Son, Jesus Christ, who came into this world to suffer, bleed, and die, to set things aright, to forgive us our sins, and to grant us eternal life with you in your kingdom. Watch over us and keep us in that one true faith all of our days. In your holy and precious name we pray. Amen. All right, last time we talked about um, creation and how God made everything and how when he made everything, uh, at the end of each day when he made something, he said, it is good. And at the end of all the creation, he said, it is very good. And now when we look around our world uh, and all the things going on in the news and with our families, uh, we look around and we say, it's very good still, right? Well, no, right? We have death, we have war, we have suffering, we have cancer and Alzheimer's, we have uh, starvation, all these things going on. And so um, what is it that happened between when God created everything and said it is good uh, to when uh, our day today when there is not good, when things are bad and there is suffering? And so that's kind of what we're going to... Uh, talk about and learn about today and it all has to do with listening to God's word or not um, and maybe the place to start is to just read these passages and then kind of talk through them a little bit um, I'll, I'll read the long one there Genesis 3 but if somebody would like to read Genesis 2 um, that would get us started Genesis 2 15 to 17 the Lord God took the man and put him in the garden of Eden to work it and to keep it. And the Lord God commanded the man, saying, You may surely eat of every tree of the garden, but of the tree of the knowledge you surely you may surely eat of every tree of the garden, but the tree of the knowledge of good and evil you shall not eat, for in the day that you eat of it you shall surely die. Alright. Now this is during the creation uh, account. This is right after God created man uh, and before God created woman. Um, God tells the man right away uh, a word, a word that says you can eat anything you want except for this one tree. Um, that word is given to, uh, to Adam and that's the only law that there was in the beginning. And all the rest of the laws are just fulfilled because we are good. So the only thing that was the rule was that you may not eat from the tree in the middle of the garden. And this is a uh, maybe a quick time to reflect on what worship is. Worship is God gives us his word in the scriptures. And in worship we speak that word right back to God. So uh, when you are in church, look sometime, you know, when the, I'm preaching a boring sermon and you don't know what to do, flip through the part of the liturgy there. You'll see every single thing that we do in church has a word of God uh, italicized and highlighting it right next to there. Uh, so when we say uh, our confession absolution, if we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves. 
That comes from the book of 1 John, word for word. When we sing uh, the Kyrie, that comes from God's word, word for word. When we sing um, Holy, 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 that comes from Isaiah chapter 7. Uh, we sing God's word, so he gives it to us. We speak or sing it back to him. That's what worship is uh, in the simplest sense. So God gives Adam his word for the purpose of worship. So that Adam being the first pastor, if you will, every time they would go past the tree, and especially then on the Sabbath day, uh, and when he was teaching his family all these things, they'd go up to the tree and they'd say, God said we may eat of any tree, but not this one. This is the word of the Lord. And everybody else is supposed to say, thanks be to God. That's their worship. Okay? God gives his word to Adam, Adam being the first pastor, is to teach it then also to his family, uh, which are yet to come, and uh, then all his descendants, which includes us. The word of God is the preeminent thing, and it's worship built into creation. Now, that word is given, that word of law, and herein lies the problem with... with um, our world today is that God's word was ignored by our first parents, Adam and Eve, long, 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 long ago. And that's this Genesis passage. So I think I'm going to read through all this, and then we can go back through and talk through some of it. And if you have questions, let me know, too. I'm happy to, uh, to answer those as well. Genesis 3. Now the serpent was more crafty than any other beast of the field that the Lord God had made. He said to the woman, Did God actually say, You shall not eat of any tree in the garden? And the woman said to the serpent, We may eat of the fruit of the trees in the garden, but God said, You shall not eat of the fruit of the tree that is in the midst of the garden, neither shall you touch it, lest you die. But the serpent said to the woman, You will not surely die, for God knows that when you eat of it, your eyes will be opened, and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. So when the woman saw that the tree was good for food, and that it was a delight to the eyes, and that the tree was to be desired to make one wise, she took of its fruit and ate. And she also gave some to her husband, who was with her, and he ate. Then the eyes of both were opened, and they knew that they were naked, and they sewed fig leaves together and made themselves loincloths. And they heard the sound of the Lord God walking in the garden in the cool of the day, and the man and his wife hid themselves from the presence of the Lord God among the trees of the garden. But the Lord God called to the man and said to him, Where are you? And he said, I heard the sound of you in the garden, and I was afraid because I was naked and hid myself. God said, Who told you that you were naked? Have you eaten of the tree which I commanded you not to eat? The man said, The woman whom you gave to be with me, she gave me fruit of the tree, and I ate. Then the Lord God said to the woman, What is this that you have done? The woman said, The serpent deceived me, and I ate. Then the Lord God said to the serpent, Because you have done this, cursed are you above all livestock and above all beasts of the field. On your belly you shall go, and dust you shall eat all the days of your life. 
I will put enmity between you and the woman, and between your offspring and her offspring. He shall bruise your head, and you shall bruise his heel. To the woman he said, I will surely multiply your pain and childbearing. In pain you shall bring forth children. Your desire shall be for your husband, and he shall rule over you. And to Adam he said, Because you have listened to the voice of your wife and have eaten of the tree of which I commanded you, you shall not eat of it. Cursed is the ground because of you. In pain you shall eat of it all the days of your life. Thorns and thistles it shall bring forth for you, and you shall eat the plants of the field. By the sweat of your face you shall eat bread till you return to the ground, for out of it you were taken." For you are dust, and to dust you shall return. The man called his wife's name Eve, because she was the mother of all living. And the Lord God made for Adam and for his wife garments of skin and clothed them. Then the Lord God said, Behold, the man has become like one of us in knowing good and evil. Now, lest he reach out his hand and take also of the tree of life, and eat and live forever, Therefore the Lord God sent him out of the garden of Eden to work the ground from which he was taken. He drove out the man, and at the east end of the garden of Eden he placed the cherubim and a flaming sword that turned every way to guard the way to the tree of life. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Now, um, we first hear this. It's easy to say, well, this sounds kind of crazy and out there, uh, and, and maybe even a little ridiculous to our modern ears, right? Talking snakes and uh, uh, all the rest. And yet, if we understand it to all be about uh, sin and God's word, it, it all makes perfect sense, uh, at least in my mind. Um, and, and this is maybe where we need to start. This serpent that comes in, is he any regular serpent? No, he's actually what? He's an angel, an angel who wants to be in the place of God. Uh, Isaiah chapter 14 talks about him and says, Look how far you have fallen, O bearer of light, you who desired to put yourself above God. Speaking about this particular angel, who we also know as Lucifer, the bearer of light, and also as Satan, or the accuser. Satan was a part of the angels that God created. He was, in fact, the chief angel, uh, and God created him good. And where Satan gets into trouble is, is that he doesn't think... Um, Let's see, how should I say it? He wants to do better than God. He wants to be God for himself. Uh, and so he wants to be able to speak his own word and have that word be true without its basis in God. <clears throat> That's what he does. He shows up to Adam and Eve when they're at church next to the tree. Remember, Adam's job is to say, we may eat of any tree in the garden, but not this one tree. Thus saith the Lord. And uh, everybody else says, Amen, or whatever. And Satan shows up there in the church, at the tree. And Satan goes to the woman and he says, Did God really say? <clears throat> He's putting doubt in God's word. You see, Satan's not that smart. He uses the same tricks over and over and over. 
Did God really say? That's what he says today too, right? Did God really say that um, um, you shouldn't murder? Did God really say that um, cheating on your taxes is stealing and therefore wrong? Did God really say that uh, we shouldn't gossip about our neighbor who lives down the street with those awful, terrible children, right? Or whatever it is. Did God really say his word or didn't he? He puts doubt into Eve's mind. Eve tries her best here. She says, well, God did say we should eat of any of these, but not this one tree, uh, and neither shall we trust or touch it lest we die. But already we have a problem. She adds to what God's word said. God never said, if you touch this tree, you'll die. He said, if you eat from this tree, you'll die. Verse 4, so we have doubt in Eve's mind. And, and just so we know, who's there also at church? Adam. Adam, right? Now, Ephesians 5 says, Husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her. That means that if uh, your pastor breaks into your house in the middle of the night, brandishing a sword, you know, threatening to kill people, husband, what's your job? Right. To be between your wife, your kids, your family, and the crazed pastor with a machete, or whoever the danger is. Right? What's that? that one? <laughs> you know. um, yeah, it would be a good movie. I'm going to have to work on a screenplay here. Husband's job is to take the bullets first for the family, whether it's kids or wife or whoever. Yeah, Ramon? Um, I know you explained it, but it doesn't say here that it's the devil. You say that the serpent. Yeah, he he. How could I? How could I well, I understand, okay. So, mm -hmm. But I have friends like uh, Jews. They don't understand. I told him that that's the devil. They say no. He said he said the serpent. Right. Um, the Jews would say that, and maybe other people in our world today, because they want this not to be about Jesus, and. The ancient commentators had no problem understanding this this serpent to be uh, a representation or a, I don't want to say incarnation, but the devil in some way, shape, or form. And um, even the promise that we're going to get to in verse 14 uh, about the, um, the offspring crushing the serpent's head, uh, they wouldn't have any problem in the old days about that being about the coming Messiah. Once Jesus comes, because of their hard heart, they don't want that to be about Jesus. And so they'll do everything they can to try and take Jesus out of the picture, including that. All we can do in the face of that is to speak the truth over and over and over again and say, look at the text. Uh, take this in context of the rest of the Old Testament and also uh, the whole scriptures. It's about Jesus and it's about Satan and it's about the fall into sin. And... 
some people, when we say that, because of their hard hearts, they're not going to want to believe it or listen to that. Um, we should keep on saying it over and over and over and over again anyways. I don't know. It's probably not the answer you want, right? <laughs> yeah, but... Because it would be nice if there would be a way we could get everybody to understand um, perfectly. But later on in Scripture, it talks about the devil, that ancient deceiver, or it talks about the, the serpent uh, and clearly tells us that it is... Satan. Uh, I have to look up those passages specifically for you sometime. I don't have them off the top of my head, but Scripture teaches that in other places. Yeah, I call him there, but he say no, but you say the serpent. <laughs> right. And I say, oh, well, that's okay. But I told him about that, but that really, uh, those people are really, let me say, Mm, really hard, you know? hard, hard-hearted. Yeah, yeah. So yeah. There's no way that you can move a little bit. So. I, I'll have to look them up, Ramon, for you. Um, the passages later on in Scripture that tell us this is for sure the devil. Yeah. Well, there's no one else, nothing else in Genesis that speaks, as far as we know, either. The serpent. Animal-wise. Yes, animal-wise is the only one that speaks. So kind of implies that as well. And even the very definition of Satan is the one who speaks contrary yeah. to God. Um, and, and so that's that's part of it too. And I'll have to look it up, Ramon, because I just don't know them off the top of my head, but there's passages that give us more clarity on that. Um, if I might. Yeah. Uh, someone who might be looking at Genesis for the first time might read this and say, well, look, God just set them all up to sin. I mean, so what is the purpose of placing these trees in the Garden of Eden in the first place? And, and along with that, if he knew that they were going to sin because of putting that in there, why put it in the garden in the first place? Yeah. Um, an attempt to make God the author of evil or make God wicked, right? Um, the God with the magnifying glass that uh, um, focuses the sun right on us so we burn and suffer, right? Um, that's not the case. God sets everything up as good. And even the tree of the knowledge is for our good, that we might confess God's word and believe it. Um, God is not the one who falls into sin. It is mankind. It is Satan who's in sin. Uh, God does allow us to um, fall into sin because if we are uh, automatically in love with God, is that really love? Right? So... Um, Jim, if you had no choice but to love Violet, right, uh, or, or we would burn you with hot irons and lock you up and, you know, there's no option for you except to be in love with Violet and treat her nicely for the rest of your life, is that really you loving her? No. No. Coerced. You're being coerced or made to, and that's never real love. Love is free. Love is um, 
it's a response that's not necessary. You love her because, um, you know, she's so kind and caring and, uh, um, you know, beautiful or however you want to say it, right? Uh, Violet's looking at you like, <laughs> you love me because I said, no, just do that. <laughs> that's right. That's what true love is, and God knows that. And so God allows us to fall into sin so that we also have then the opportunity, on the other hand, to have been truly uh, loved by him and also reciprocating in love with him uh, as well. And so there has to be a way for us to fall away so that we can show we're not falling away. Um, I don't know if that makes sense, the way I've said it there. You've got to, in order to know what you had, you have to know the flip side of it. Right. So that's the purpose of the tree. And even then, uh, Jesus is always planned to come. God's always coming to be with his people. Um, the, the cross part and the suffering and the bleeding and dying, that's all a result of sin that comes about from not believing or trusting God's word, uh, not because of God himself. Sin is our fault, not God's. Yeah, Wayne. We were given free will. Were the angels given free will for a while? Yes. Uh, in the beginning, all of God's creation had free will. And um, in Adam, all mankind fell uh, and chose the wicked. Um, the angel-wise, uh, Scripture tells us that uh, about a third of all the angels followed Satan uh, and his word instead of God's word. Um, and after the fall of angels, uh, that third and the other two-thirds not falling, God stuck whatever the, the decisions were in place. So the angels that have not fallen will never fall now. The angels that have fallen will never unfall. And our wills are bound now also to sin and wickedness because of Adam and Eve's actions. We cannot help but sin, and we cannot choose to do the right and the good without God having changed us through his word and through the forgiveness that comes in Jesus, right? That's why um, I have four kids, and without teaching them, um, what do they do when their sibling has a toy they want? Well, you guys are, you must have better kids than me. Well, one child will come up to the other one, grab the toy with one hand, and punch the kid with the other hand and then take the toy and run, right? Now, is that how mom and dad taught them to operate? <laughs> no. <laughs> no, but they come by it naturally because they are sinful. And they will be sinful until they leave this world and go to the next world. Now, at the same time, once we are Christians, that new nature, the Christian nature is at war inside of us with the sinful nature. And that's how now sometimes, by God's grace, we do 
nice things and good things and holy things because God's working in us. And God will eventually kill that old sinful nature in our death uh, or when he returns in glory. And then all that will be left alive is that new nature that loves God and is perfect and holy. So maybe that's a little bit much for a summary of basic Christian doctrine, but, but it's important for us to have that conversation uh, a little bit here. If, if I might, just one more. Yeah. Is there a relation between the tree of life and the cross? Yeah, definitely. Um, the tree of life... Um, and the cross in Scripture, especially in the book of Revelation, are superimposed upon one another. So that even when we go up to the Lord's Supper and we receive the body and blood of Christ um, for forgiveness of sins, life, and salvation, it is as if we are eating from the tree of life it, itself. So, um, yeah, I think there is a, a connection there. The, the Passion of the Christ movie, though Catholic, uh, right, does a great job of showing that because you see Jesus, um, he, we have one scene where he breaks the bread for the, the Lord's Supper, and then the next scene they nail him to the cross and the blood's pouring out because his body's being broken. And then they lift the cross up, uh, and the same time that Jesus takes the bread and lifts it up. And uh, you get a close-in shot of the blood pouring out of Christ's body, and then you get a shot of Jesus holding the cup. It, that's the tree of life. When we eat Christ, we have life because Christ is life in himself. So maybe a bit much, but worthwhile. All right, back to our text. Um, Satan attacks God's word. Did God really say? And And... Eve starts to listen to the word, and Adam, the husband, is not there taking the bullets for his wife. Right? Um, he's, he's silent. Adam could have taken care of this whole situation, right? Not, not to put Eve down or anything like that, but, but Adam's job is to deal with the, the, the attacks of the devil or whoever. So Adam's supposed to say, be gone, Satan, just like Jesus does in the temptation uh, in, uh, you know, Matthew 4 and, and, uh, and Mark and Luke as well. Um, be gone, Satan. The word of God says we may eat of any tree, but not that one. Thus saith the Lord, amen. And the word of God would have prevailed, but Adam's quiet. So does that mean he sinned? prior to the eating of the fruit? The sin is not listening to God's word and changing God's word. And that sin is happening for both of them basically at the same time. And so um, now it is Adam's sin that infects us all. Uh, but also, that's Paul writes that. But Paul also writes in another place that uh, Eve sinned first. It's basically going on at the same time for both of them. Because neither one of them is listening to God's word. Instead, they're listening to the word of Satan. And they're enthralled with it, and they love it instead. Satan goes on and says, Contrary completely to God's word, you will not surely die. But instead, it'll be good for you. You'll gain additional knowledge. Look how good it is to go against God's word and eat the fruit. And Eve looks at the fruit and says, that sounds nice. 
and she takes it and she eats. And not only that, but she also gives it to Adam and he eats. And it says there um, at the end of verse 6, she gave it to her husband who was with her. Right? Um, we, some people try to say Eve's the one who sinned and Adam was off and it's all Eve's fault and uh, therefore it's all women's fault, right? Who's there? Adam. Uh, whose job is it to take the bullets? Adam. Adam. Who just sat there dumbly or even maybe even hiding behind his wife? Adam. That's not really showing love to your wife, right? Mm -hmm. If I broke into your house with a machete and you hid behind your wife, what would your wife think the next day? Shoot me first. <laughs> That's right. Okay, question. Okay, so why, even though Eve gave Adam the fruit, why would he eat it knowing that it came from that tree? Because he had also um, disregarded God's word and listened to the promises of Satan instead. There's, there's the sin, is that they listened to another word that wasn't God's. And when we listen to a word that's not God's, in every single case, that is sin. And so as we, uh, um, I think it's next week, uh, or the next lesson, we won't get through this one uh, in the next few minutes. The next lesson, we go through all Ten Commandments where God says, this is what you should do. And as we look at every single one of those Ten Commandments and we compare it with us, we find out we break every single one. Sin is replacing God's word with what we want to actually be true. Now, this is the, this is the part two that I, I think just shows how real this is. Um, Adam and Eve ate the fruit, and immediately they realized they're naked, right? And that's the way the Hebrews saying it there. They were naked, but before sin, did it matter? No. But once you have sin, and you're walk if if you were walking around naked, how would you feel? Comfortable. <laughs> well, that's, that's good. Even if it was through Walmart or... <laughs> All right, we got to go to the Ten Commandments now. No. In, in church here, if you, were, if you were in church here and you're walking down the aisle to sit in your pew naked, you know... You know, sitting down or going up to communion and, you know, you bow before the altar. You would feel just a little bit of embarrassment, shame, right? Um, it's, it's a thing that's just there. Adam and Eve suddenly felt that. Shame and embarrassment about themselves. Okay? God created them and said, the way you are is good and beautiful. And now all of a sudden, they don't feel that way about the way God created them. They feel guilty. And if you were naked in the church or in Walmart, walking around, um, what's something that you might do? 
Yeah, you'd go to the aisle where the shower curtains are and maybe steal one to make a toga or something. There's a movie about this, isn't there? <laughs> where a guy gets stuck repeating the same day over and over and over where he get, wakes up and he's naked somewhere. Okay. <laughs> if, yeah, what's the name of it? I can't remember. It's on Netflix. It's a Netflix movie. He'll know, I know, yeah. Um, he, he's, he, so the first thing he's doing is trying to find a way to cover up, right? Um, I think it's on the day of his wedding, no less. Um, that's what Adam and Eve do. They find leaves and they try to weave the leaves together to make some sort of covering. Because when you do sin or you do something wrong, you try to hide it. Right? Um, when you throw the baseball in the living room and you break mom's lamp, before mom gets home, you try to glue it back together. When, um, when you accidentally run over the neighbor's cat, you hide the cat in the bushes so that the neighbor doesn't see it, right? Uh, <laughs> uh, you've done it, haven't you? No, I can tell by... <laughs> just teasing. That we try to cover up our sin. We try to hide it. We don't want other people to know about it. We don't talk about what we've done wrong when we know that it's wrong. That's what Adam and Eve do. They try to cover it up. Cover up their shame with leaves. And God comes and they hear him coming and they, they realize that their leaves aren't enough to cover up their shame. So they even hide in the bushes. And God says, uh, he shows up and he says, where are you? That's verse 9, the end of it. Where are you? Now, we talked two weeks ago about the um, uh, definition of God. God is all-knowing. Does God know where they are? Yes. When you broke the lamp and mom came home and saw the glued together job, did she know what happened? And she still said to you what? What happened? <laughs> Why? She's giving you an opportunity to confess what you've done wrong. God here is doing the same thing for Adam and Eve. Where are you? Giving them the opportunity to confess to uh, receive forgiveness after that confession. Adam and Eve, though, do they confess? No. Like fingers. Right. So Adam says, um, I heard you coming and I hid because I'm naked. God says, who told you that you were naked? Have you eaten of the tree of which I commanded you not to eat? He gives him a second opportunity to confess. Right? And this, this is what your mom did too, right? What happened to the lamp? Well, I don't know. Did you throw a baseball and hit the lamp and break it and then glue it together? And when your mom asked you the second time, you did what Adam and Eve did here. You said, I don't know what happened. Right? And that's what they say. Even um, you do exactly what Adam does here when God says, Adam, did you eat from the tree? My word told you not to. And he says, the woman that you gave me, Lord, she told me to eat. What's he do? Does he confess? No, he passes the blame. To who? 
to the woman, part A, and to, to, God. to God. He tries to make God the reason for evil. Okay? The woman gave me the fruit. The woman that you gave me, God, is not really my fault, God. It's your fault and her fault. I'm just an innocent person. And you did that with the baseball and the lamp, right? It wasn't me. It was my brother. He's the one who didn't catch the ball. Okay? So then God goes to the next one. He says to the woman, um, what is this that you have done? He gives her an opportunity to confess and receive forgiveness. And what does she do? Well, it's not my fault, God. It's the serpent. He deceived me. He told me a lie. I couldn't help it, God. It's his fault. This is the same thing we try and do with all of our sin, um, which we try to cut through as Christians with confession and absolution. It's great to have an opportunity to speak the truth. You say, yeah, that sin, I did that. Because if you don't claim the sin for yourself, the word of forgiveness means nothing. That's, that's why we have no problem. We do have problems. We struggle with it. But we want to admit that we are guilty, poor, miserable sinners. And to believe that according to God's word. So that when God's word says that sin is forgiven in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, we understand that forgiveness is really for us also. Adam and Eve don't do it. We struggle with it every day. Um, when finally it's been passed down the line, the excuses have been made, the self-justification has been done, uh, and there's still no solution, God steps in. He, this is what parents have to do, right? If you ask finally uh, who broke the lamp or who started the fight, your kids tell you story after story after story. Mom and dad have to step in and say, enough. <laughs> Here's what's going to happen. Here's the solution. And that's what God does here. He steps in and he says to the serpent, because you have done this and deceived them, which is true, here's what's going to happen. You're going to eat dust all the days of your life. Now, we think serpents, okay, that mean like he made their legs disappear? No. What's dust mean there? God created the man from the dust of the earth, and his name was Adam, which in Hebrew means dirt. All of Satan's existence, he's going to be going around consuming mankind with sin. And that's what he's doing right now in our world. I will put enmity between you and the woman, between your offspring and her offspring. Interesting thing there, the word offspring is, for the woman, singular. One offspring of hers is going to be at war with all the offspring of Satan. All sinners versus one offspring born of the woman. What offspring is it that is going to be at war with Satan? Adam has kids, Seth, then Enosh, 
than Lamech, than Noah, than Abraham, than Isaac, than Jacob, all the way down to David, then to Joseph, and then who's Joseph's son or Mary's son? Jesus. Jesus is going to be the one offspring of Eve that is going to fight against Satan. And not only that, um, he will crush your head as you will bruise his heel. Or I think in the NIV or ESV it says bruise in both places. Satan, as the serpent's going to nip at Jesus' heel, or if we're going to find fullness of this, he's going to put nails in his hands and in his feet and his big spear up through his heart and lungs to kill him. And as that happens, what, what is Jesus going to do to Satan? Crush his head, right? Just stamp it out. Kill him forever. Destroy all that he's done. One of Eve's offspring is going to beat Satan. God steps in and makes right what we all messed up. And he promises it to them right away. And throughout all the Old Testament, that's the promise that all the Old Testament is about. That's why we have all the genealogies. We're tracing Jesus' lineage because that promise comes. We are um, learning about how that promise has to be believed by the people of God in all times and in all places. This is the very first promise of Jesus, Genesis 3.15. One of Eve's offspring. How do offspring come? When a, when a mommy loves a daddy, right? And the, the baby grows in the mom and comes out, right? Just one day she coughs and right? No. <laughs> Through pain and suffering. There's going to be pain and suffering until that offspring comes, especially in childbirth. And for the man, what's promised? You're going to toil and toil and toil. It's going to be hard work surviving now because of sin, corrupting all the world. And you're going to die. For dust you are, and to dust you shall return. Not right away, but eventually. You see how all this is happening at the same time? The important part is the promise of Jesus. And maybe we have to stop there because we're out of time. Uh, and we'll pick up there maybe uh, in two weeks. Um, next week I'll be gone, but the week after that maybe we can pick up again. Any quick questions before we close? All right, let's close with the Lord's Prayer. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory, forever and ever. Amen.